Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, your old pal here, Mike Milani, a.k.a. the Majestic Bearded Eagle, back once again to record our Saturday afternoon edition of Burn the Bones Radio, uh, formerly known as the Friday afternoon edition of Burn the Bones Radio. But hey, at least I'm not skipping out on an episode this week. You're going to get your full three episodes as promised so i will be back tomorrow morning to record my uh, easter edition of burn the bones radio um today i thought i would try something a little bit different uh, kind of step away from the lists and the rumors and all the mcu stuff i talk about now what i i'm talking about today still kind of qualifies and falls into the mcu in a little bit of a way but uh, i wanted to talk about something from my past um, you know, everybody has something that they like, that is something that they enjoy, that uh, maybe they aren't particularly proud of. Maybe if they're in a crowded room or in a conversation with a bunch of people, you wouldn't throw this tidbit of information out uh, just to anybody. It'd definitely have to be somebody you trusted. Um, I hate to use the term guilty pleasure. You know, I kind of feel like you like what you like, and for the most part, if you're not hurting yourself or others, uh, you know, do what you got to do. It's fine. But this, I feel like I would qualify it a little bit in that vein. Today, I want to talk to you guys about a movie that I love. A movie that, uh, if you're not counting some of the 1940s Captain America serials that were kind of really not a good adaptation of that character. Or Red Sonja, which technically was uh, a Marvel character made into a movie. Uh, this would be one of the first... Marvel movies that were ever released in uh, in mainstream cinemas. Today, I want to talk to you about a movie that I adore, but I'm willing to admit is a flaming dumpster fire of a movie. And I am speaking, of course, of Howard the Duck from 1986. Now, I want to be clear. I know that by every measurable metric, Howard the Duck is not a good movie. In fact... It is a bad movie. I'm, I'm in under no uh, delusions to think that it is it is some sort of cult gem. Uh, just looking at the critic ratings, it's got a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic has it at a 28%. Uh, commercially, it had a budget of $37 million and it made $38 million, which makes it seem like as much as a, a horrible monstrosity that this movie was, at least it turned a tiny little fraction of a profit. But uh, sort of the industry understanding of these numbers is you typically take your budget and you double that to account for marketing and anything else that would have gone into the um, the advertisement of this movie. Uh, so by that standard, they, they didn't make anywhere near their money back. But here's what's so weird about this movie. Now, the 80s, of course, as a child of the 80s, I was born in 77, I got to see a lot of great movies. I got to see a lot of huge uh, directors and production companies cut their teeth in, in uh, monumental franchises, and we'll talk about that more a little bit later. But this is one of those movies that had a pedigree that should have meant it was a license to print money. And what I mean by that is it was produced by Lucas Films, the Lucas Films of Star Wars and other fantastic, amazing movie franchises that got their start in and around the 80s, um, and also Marvel. And it was distributed by Universal Pictures. So this is not some minor third-party off-brand knockoff wannabe sci-fi channel movie of the week production. 
this movie should have had legs. It should have had the kind of content and quality put into it. Now, I know there's going to be Star Wars fans out there that are looking at the greater picture of the Lucas canon and doesn't maybe it didn't hold the, uh, the weight that it, it does, or I'm saying it does. But if you look at 1986 George Lucas, he had really nothing but uh, you know certified winners under his belt for the most part at that time. And so there was no reason to expect Howard the Duck to be any different. Here's a list of other movies, just to back my point up, that Lucas Productions made before Howard the Duck. American Graffiti, Star Wars, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Return of the Jedi, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. These are some of the most iconic movie and franchises. You look at the Indiana Jones and the Star Wars franchise in the history of movies. Okay, take those uh, you know the Star Wars franchise and uh, the Indiana Jones franchise away, and then you tell me where Harrison Ford is at right now. Probably still getting work, but he is not literally synonymous with a rugged, cool, renegade guy. All right, from the late seventies and early eighties. So these are just monster franchises, some of the greatest characters and stories we've ever seen in cinematic history. Even just taking a kind of a cursory glance at uh, movies released in 1986 reveals that it was a great year for movies as a whole. Now, before we get too far into this, because I know I got uh, movie fans and and, and nerds in my uh, listener group, and I say nerds as a term of endearment, meaning you know your stuff, okay? Uh, So I'm not saying all of these have hugely awesome Rotten Tomato scores or made tons of money, but they are well-known and well-loved across the world. And some, uh, some of these movies are Top Gun, Aliens, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Platoon, Stand By Me, The Fly, Crocodile Dundee, one of my favorite movies of all time, Big Trouble in Little China. And again, I want to earmark here real quick. This was not a commercial success, but it has a cult following and has reviewed very, very well. Um, Pretty in Pink, we had The Karate Kid 2, Hoosiers, Short Circuit, and The Golden Child. This was back when, you know, if a movie had Eddie Murphy in it, for the most part, you were going to make money. It was going to be a successful film, right? Looking across this list, there was great, great movies being made and put out in 1986. There was sort of a formula, and you see it across all these movies. You kind of had that 80 movie feel. And it seems like all we had to do, if you're George Lucas, is to kind of uh, apply the same technical savvy to this movie that you did to your other movies and kind of stick to that formula and boom, you've got another moneymaker. And maybe even the launching point to another series of movies, to another franchise, right? This movie should have been great. It really, really should have been great. And again, I'm saying I love it, but I'm lamenting what could have been. Um, you know, I had the writer and director team from Temple of Doom, but I'm going to list through a couple of things that I've, I've kind of perused through other articles and stuff across the internet and picked out some gems of reasons that I think, and I am in agreement with these people as to why it failed. First one, and this is the big one, is the comic book version of Howard the Duck is absolutely nothing like what they gave us in the movies. It is literally, what we're talking about here is a tale of two ducks. Comic Howard was rude 
cynical, sarcastic, very meta, very much used as a, a tool or a vehicle for social commentary, for societal, political commentary, even commentary on other comic book characters and um, and other storylines from other comic books, even within Marvel. Okay, um, movie Howard was uh, the ultimate nice guy. That was his number one quality and character trait. Uh, you know, sure, they tried to paint him like he had a bit of a rough edge around him, but for the most part, he was a very nice guy. Uh, when we deal with the relationship between him and Leah Thomas uh, Thompson's Beverly, it was just, he was a nice guy. That's how we won her over. And we'll dig into that, but not too deep, uh, a little bit further into the podcast. He was a lovable, you know, loser, almost to a fault. And because of that, it made him boring. He was not an interesting character. And then you're talking about an anthropomorphic duck from outer space. And somehow he's translated and he's come across as boring. Um, Lucas, uh, as he did with everything back then, for the most part, not you know in every every single instance, but for the most part, he pushed special effects over story in this instance. Okay, so uh, you know a typical comic book movie mistake is he was more worried about kind of wowing the mainstream crowd and the people that were going to try and get everybody a nice broad brush stroke to get them into the movie theaters instead of appealing to the hardcore fans. And it might sound silly saying that, but through the 70s up until the 80s, Howard the Duck had a very, very die-hard core of fans that were into him as a character. Uh, but we see Lucas leaning into none of that. We see Lucas making him a Ferris Bueller, making him a Mikey from Goonies. He is this lovable loser, but it's just he's an anthropomorphic animatronic space duck. And because of that, uh, we lose that. And then also the bad guy. Um, it's played by Jeffrey Jones, which if we're talking about things that just age well, uh, just Jeffrey Jones as a person has not aged well. We won't get too far into that. Um but, you know, it goes from what is a cynical social commentary, uh, kind of a tool to just poke fun at whatever's in big in comics and movies and politics at that time. There's a storyline in the comic books for Howard the Duck where he runs for president. And his tagline was, uh, why not a duck? You've been voting for turkeys for 200 years. You know, that's the kind of thing that you didn't get in the movies. In this movie, by the end of it, Howard is fighting a big, poorly kind of stop motion animated whatever you want to call it uh, alien jeffrey jones has turned into the dark overlord alien he's shooting him with a laser cannon and it's so tone deaf and so far away from what howard the duck should have been and it just misses it misses on every level so as we you know what could have been? You know, I look at this movie and I think about what could have been. The other thing that I think it busted this movie up, because it really only works for one uh, demographic, one group, one movie series, is it really tried too much to be Ghostbusters. And let's walk through this real quick. Ghostbusters and Howard the Duck both had kind of a goofy, fantastical element. You know, it's the Slimer in the library and it's the ghost and, uh, you know, Bill Murray and, and Dan Aykroyd and there's kind of comic relief and all that stuff. It would slowly transition into a more serious threat. So now where Howard's just being goofy and practicing quack foo and fighting off the, the, the hooligans that were trying to, uh, you know, do things to Leah Thompson, you know, now it's intergalactic cosmic horror and, and Lovecraftian monsters coming through a portal. By the end of the movie, they're going to take over the whole world. 
Um, and we see that again with Ghostbusters. We get to Gozer and we get to the demon dogs and all that stuff. Um, and the climax, again, like I said a second ago, this is a world-ending battle. You know, it's a very typical, prototypical movie um, kind of layout with very specific ties to what a Ghostbuster movie looked like. Um, and unfortunately, what Howard the Duck is missing in that, because, you know, it's not like any of those parts were super poorly executed as far as the fight and the bad guys or the gradual escalation of the threat. What Howard the Duck is missing is he does not have a Bill Murray or a Dan Aykroyd or even a Harold Ramis or any of those guys, uh, Rick Moranis, any of them, to provide the comic relief uh, and the real kind of comic interjection that felt organic and gave life and gave kind of a sense of relatability to these guys. He didn't have that. It was so very boring. It was so very... It, it was either boring and there was just no comic kind of delivery to it or, or it was cheesy and it was just really just, it was like dad jokes turned up to the nth degree or it was just so over the top, acted scatterbrain all over the place. You look at Tim Robbins here. This is a young Tim Robbins. Again, the pedigree in this. Tim Robbins, Leah Thompson at the time was a big name for the 80s and has gone on to do a lot of successful stuff. It should have been good, but Tim Robbins is, is all over the place. Sometimes he's overacting. Sometimes he's doing a horrible Donald Duck impersonation. Like it's just not the same. They looked at a blueprint and said, okay, we're going to put Lucas's you know, penchant for special effects and sci-fi weirdness in here. We're going to kind of stick to an 80s kind of stock uh, you know, plot, and we're going to try and be funny. And boom, right? It's a license to print money. But in the end, it wasn't, and it fell flat. Um, I'm flipping pages here. I'm so old school. I still use pen and paper. I'm 42. This is how life works, okay? Um, and the other thing, here's another thing. It didn't have a target audience. Who was this movie for? It certainly wasn't for the hardcore comic fans who expected kind of a foul mouth, vulgar, sarcastic, didn't want to save the world, didn't want to help anybody else, lamented the fact he was stuck on Earth. Uh, the tagline for most of Howard the Duck comics in the 70s, 80s was he was stuck in a world that he never made. He didn't want to be here. They were kind of taking a jab at sci-fi taglines of movies in the 50s and 60s. Uh, but he was not a helpful, friendly, nice guy. Okay, so it wasn't for the comic fans. Um, it was rated PG, but if you're of my age, and maybe some of my listeners are that age or older, um, you remember a time before PG-13 when PG, you got a lot more bang for your buck in a PG movie. What I mean by that is there was a lot more leeway as far as what the, the per parents were expected to guide a whole lot more than they are nowadays for a PG movie. So it was trying to, in the advertisements and uh, in the, the trailers and things like that, it was kind of played up as kind of a goofy family movie. But at one point at the start of the flick, when the, the, the transdimensional beam is kind of blasting Howard the Duck back down to Earth, that's whack my table there. Um, He's reading an episode, an uh, issue of Play Duck, which I won't expound on in great detail, but I'm sure anybody listening to this understands the problem with that, especially in a PG uh, kind of played as a family movie. Um, there's also kind of weird duck nudity in there. So uh, the, the art audience, it's hard to look at this movie and say, oh yeah, well, this is the demographic, this is the group we are looking for. Uh, it's got too much adult humor to be for kids. It's got such a far poor iteration of what this comic book character should be like to hit to the, the comic book fans. I don't know who they were shooting for, uh, what they were trying to get. Obviously me, because I am going to defend why I like this at the end. Just stay through to the end, okay? 
Um, the last horrible, just spine-tingling levels of cringe I want to talk about was the love affair with Leah Thompson's Beverly. Um, here's the thing. This is canon. This is how this relationship plays out in the comic books, okay? Uh, Beverly and Howard the Duck have a very intense, intimate relationship. That is true, okay? But it is played in the comic books as absurd. Of course, this is an absurdist thing that we're looking at. It's a human and a space duck in a relationship. It's not meant to be romantic or, or, or soft or funny or whatever. It's funny, but funny in a very high degree of satire and just it's ridiculous. It's funny because it's just nuts, right? Um, it's not played for that. It's, it's, he's the nice guy. He's the lovable loser. Like I said earlier, he's the Mikey from Goonies. He's, he's the, the Revenge of the Nerds. It has a complete Revenge of the Nerds vibe to it in that he shouldn't get the girl, especially because he's a three foot tall space duck, but he shouldn't get the girl also because he's the nice guy. He's not, she's a rock star. He's got no business wooing her. And, you know, the whole scene, which I'm not going to go into detail about, it's just like, even today, as I as I prepared this podcast, and I was like, you know, I, I did like this movie. I, I just had the fond memories as an '80s kid digging Howard the Duck and watching it multiple times. I will completely confess in full transparency, it's not off of one viewing. I have these opinions. I've watched Howard the Duck a lot, uh, but even that scene is one of like, I just want to. Uh, I'm gonna let me check my phone. Let me let me let me look at the. I'm gonna go microwave something real quick. I'll come back. Maybe this scene will be passed because it's just not good and i don't know what uh, you know focus group what room lucas was in he was like yeah yeah I'm, I'm totally feeling this i know it's in the comic books but it's played up to just a ridiculous degree let's make an authentic kind of 80s rom-com moment between this duck puppet and leah thompson not sure where that came from probably the same think tank that gave us jar jar binks i would imagine um so, you know, there's kind of a long list of things. You're probably wondering how I'm going to defend this at the end. Oh, last thing. The Dark Overlord character, as I'm going to call this guy, is so jarring compared to the rest of the movie. It just doesn't even feel like it fits. And again, they were trying to paint this kind of Ghostbuster-esque um, ramping up of a threat and it's an intergalactic thing but the alien that comes flying down the tube that he fights with the laser cannon which is insane at the end of the movie is very you know at the time especially it was really creepy and horrible I'm like what is this doing in this movie I didn't buy Howard as an action hero I didn't buy that he was going to defeat this alien with a laser and save the world but that's where we found ourselves right and uh <clears throat> You know, the animatronics were horrible. There was a lot of just on-record stuff you can find where they were not operating like they were supposed to. They were not top-of-the-line stuff, which is weird because Lucas was just, that was his whole thing, you know. But he did not have the kind of quality that you saw in his Star Wars movies and other places that you saw in this movie, okay. Again, I mentioned earlier the acting, just all over the place. Tim Robbins is just not great, um... Leah Thompson, you couldn't understand if she was just uh, kind of dumb or if she was just carefree and just very lost in the translation. Uh, and then don't even get me, just the duck was whatever. So having said all that, having spent almost 19 minutes kind of just pooping all over this movie, why do I like it? Because I do. I, Mike Milani, being of sound mind and of body, like Howard the Duck, circa 1986. First things first, to be honest and to be real, I went into this movie experience with no prior knowledge of the Howard the Duck character from 
the comic books, okay? The, for me, the bulk of the movies I loved from that area were the same level of just glorious nonsense. And if you, if you think about movies from the 80s, they were uh, excess. The 80s was a, a decade of excess. We kind of joke and we label it looking back. But, um, for example, and please don't hate me because I love this movie. I love it so much. But... Uh, I look at Big Trouble in Little China. Now, wait, don't don't turn this off, okay? I know there's somebody in my listening group that's a huge Big Trouble in Little China fan, as am I, so don't turn this off. Just listen. It's a cult classic. We all know that. It's just adored now everywhere. And it's one of my top ten movies probably ever released, but it was a commercial failure, okay? It only made $11 million on a $25 million production cost, and that's not counting advertisement. You typically double that, so it's a total wash there. And uh, really, if you look at the plot and the characters, they had enough personality, which is what Howard the Duck sort of lacked. But what you see in other movies like Ghostbusters and Goonies and stuff like that, they were kind of over-exaggerations archetypes, and it was fantastic. Kurt Russell in that movie is incredible, okay? But it was camp and cheese to the nth degree. So for me, movies like that, specifically Howard the Duck, it's like one of those cans of like spray cheddar cheese. You know the one I'm talking about. In Publix, it's up on the top shelf, kind of near the, the saltine crackers. Not like I've been looking for it or anything. Um, it's horrible. It's horrible for you. I'm not even sure you could legally call it food. I think it's processed cheese-like substance or something like that is what it says on the can. But having said all of that, I will... I will occasionally, very frequent, not frequently, but infrequently, I will guzzle a whole can of that down in one sitting. Am I proud of it? No. Do I sort of hate myself afterwards? Absolutely. But every once in a blue moon, a long time, enough time has passed where I will forget these feelings of shame and regret I get from eating a whole can of spray cheese, usually on Triscuit crackers, if I had to suggest one. Um, And I find myself sitting down once again with a can of cheese in front of me. And, uh, And also, in this instance, the film Howard the Duck. He is my cinematic spray cheese. So what does the future hold for my feathered friend Howard the Duck? Well, if you've watched any of the MCU movies, you know he has had a total of three on-screen appearances in Phases 1, 2, and 3. Um, he had a speaking part in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 in a post-credit. He had a speaking part in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, just in the main movie part. He was on Contrexia with the rest of the Ravagers. Um, and then, um, and I didn't realize this until after the fact, he does appear at the very end of Endgame for the Battle for Earth. He's uh, in just kind of one still frame. He's in the background holding a newsie, getting ready to throw down because why not, right? Um, so is there any plans moving forward to take this character who I feel like in the age of reboots and reimaginings, why not take somebody as near and dear to my heart as Howard the Duck and let's give him something that he deserves, a better uh, version of himself. Uh, apparently in 2018, his co-star from the 1986 movie, Leah Thompson, was quoted as saying he was going to tell, to tell you the truth, I'm going to go to Marvel and pitch a new Howard the Duck movie. So it's already been on her plate and uh, director of the first two Guardians of the Galaxy and now back as director of the third one, James Gunn, has gone on record as saying that his 
favorite Marvel character is Howard the Duck. So there is hope. And let us just hope against hope is moving into phase four and phase five. We know there's going to be multiverses of madness. There's going to be nightmare realms. There's going to be space, cosmic, eternals, and celestials, and everything in between. Thor, love, and thunder, and the Guardians are going to be out in space. Who knows what we're going to see? And I'm hoping, just hoping, just for a little bit, that maybe we'll get to see a little bit more of a fine feathered friend of mine by the name of Howard the Duck. Thanks for listening to my madness this afternoon. Go check the movie out. Go check the movie out with a can of spray cheese and some Triscuits. It might make the pain go away a little bit quicker. I love it. It is not a good movie, but sometimes, you know, you gotta love a terrible movie to really love the great movies. That's all I got for y'all this afternoon. Look, if y'all want to uh, suggest a topic, a movie that you want me to defend or tear down, uh, questions, anything that you have for me in the realm of comic books, movies, video games, faith, Christianity, any of that stuff, hit me up on my Twitter at BurnTheBones77 or on my Instagram at TheMikeMilani. And I would love to get in touch with you guys and just talk about whatever. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this afternoon, and I will see you all again real soon.